you. I know this is a panel and a session that is very important to Paul. Uh, no, every session is. Every session is very important. But since since the beginning, Paul's with at a little notes, you know, his little notepad, and says we need to check this, 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 and make sure we cover everything. And and podcasting and uh, and streaming was one of them. And that's your area, Paul. Uh, that's your so uh, that's you, uh, and and so uh, I know it was very important that we pull this together. I see Ralph coming, so uh, oh great, uh, great pictures behind you, Ralph. Uh, and uh, so it is four o'clock again within the minutes. Here you go, Paul Feller. You in oh, charge. Thank you. See you guys in twenty in uh, fifty minutes. Well, I've really been looking forward to this particular panel and the one that follows. Uh, I think that. Uh, we're looking at the future. The people on this screen uh, represent the change that's taking place in the world of broadcasting and and uh, live streaming. So uh, um, yeah, I'm very happy to have all of you here. I'm going to uh, run down and introduce you very quickly here so we can dive into the conversation. Uh, Christina Cordova is the Executive Director of Digital Communications and uh, Content for the World of Outlaws and Dirt Car Racing. And Christina, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure, and I, I have to just say that the volume of quality content that your team and your company produces is is truly awe inspiring. Um, I you know looking from afar, I, I continue to be impressed. So thank you, and uh, I, I want to go to you, Charlie. We've met on email before, uh, uh, but uh, uh, we've not actually met before. You're with uh, Mav TV Motorsport Network. Uh, we've had a long relationship with you, and we really appreciate the total commitment to motorsports that MAV-TV has and Lucas Oil has. So welcome to our, our, uh, our uh, panel today. You handle the communications for MAV-TV, correct? That is correct, yes. Great, and thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Tommy Mason, you're the media manager there and uh, welcome, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I faintly recognize the person in, uh, with the pictures and all the toys behind him. Uh, uh, that might be Ralph Shaheen. <laughs> it is. I'm looking yeah, around for my okay. copy of Racer magazine. I know it's in here somewhere. Hey, um, thanks for having me, Paul. Really appreciate it. And by the way, Chris Grainer is on. He's just looking for somebody on your side to uh, open him up. Our my yeah, colleague. Can we let Chris Grainer in, uh, Epar Trade Team, because uh, Chris is the person that actually knows what he's talking about. Right. Uh, and and Ralph is just a. Uh, you know, he's window dressing for this conversation. But uh, but uh, let's just go down a little bit about you, Ralph. You're obviously a veteran motorsport journalist and broadcaster, uh, but you have Speedsport News, which is uh, uh, a publication I've read since the age of nine. Uh, uh, Speedsport.com, I'm on there every day. Great job, guys. Speedsport Thank you. TV, you're making it happen with a lot of hustle. Uh, Sprint Car and Midget Magazine, awesome. And Sprint Car and Midget.com. So yep. I don't know if you sleep and you're also, you know, on TV. <laughs> Chris, welcome. Uh, welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, and Chris Craner, give us a little background on what you do because we've blown through everybody else, but here you are. Well, Ralph and I have, have a little bit of an interest together in Speedsport TV. Uh, I'm the executive director there of that ongoing endeavor. And I work a ton. I mean, I, I have, I also know Tommy Mason quite a bit here and Charlie. So, um, sorry, Christina, you're, you're the only one I don't know very well. Um, we work a ton on the, the streaming at the grassroots level. 
of, of producing and executing the, the process of delivering broadcast video throughout the sport. Well, thank God you joined us because I know we would have just had Ralph on the screen with his mouth open for the first time ever without knowing what to say without you. So, <laughs> uh, but great, thank you for joining us. Thank okay, you. well, what I, I you know, the setup here is that we're looking at the future. Uh, the, you know, we're, we're here in the, you know, the end of the first uh, bizarre year of this uh, new decade, new era. Um, and one of the things we, uh, we've learned is that uh, the world is changing, media habits are changing, uh, all sports are changing. Uh, but racing's actually done okay during all this for some strange reason, which we are very happy about. Um, and you're all on the pace lap going into 2020 and, and uh, pulling your harnesses down, getting ready for the green. You know, we're going to talk about what you see as you go forward in this year and uh, what you've learned during the pandemic. And I, uh, before we get to the detail about all the, the things you're doing, I'd just like you to tell me a little bit about what you do, Christina, and, and how you manage all the content uh, in your company and, and what your basic uh, mindset is approaching your business as a content company and how you distribute it. So I, I think that to set us apart from, from some of the other voices here, which are all great voices and some partners in the bunch as well, um, you know, we, we come from the perspective of a sanctioning body and events marketing and from there grow into the broadcast area to distribute our races on a, on a grander scale, right? So it's a different perspective. Um, I think that when we're looking at, at the content, we're looking at from a content marketing perspective to a large extent, how do we get more people engaged with the sport? It really is about trying to bolster the sport and, and specifically the world of outlaws and, and dirt car. Um, so it's a little bit different than a media company's approach versus a, I don't know what I would call Mav TV, almost a brand owned. Um, I, th I think there's some similarities there because there is a marketing aspect since it is brand owned um, that, that perhaps sets that apart from, from Speed Sport and, and Racer and other, uh, and other media outlets that are, that are doing broadcasting. So, we're using the broadcasting to, to, to get more people engaged with the sport and ultimately to get more people into seats at the race, as opposed to just focusing on watching from afar, right? Ultimately, we want people to go to the events um, and, the, and it creates kind of an ecosystem that feeds, that feeds itself in different ways. Um, one of the big changes that, were, that, that I think illustrates really beautifully how the broadcast then affects the at track experience is we're introducing um, these big screens at track this year to be able to use some of what we're putting on dirt vision actually show it to the fans on a larger screen during the event and then create additional content while we're there to show on the screens that will be specific to the fans at track that won't be on dirt vision but we had now have more production staff at each race and therefore you will actually be able to use it to to enhance the track experience as well. So I think we're going to see more of that and more of how those those worlds sort of unite and and bolster them each other rather than just one angle. And and I think um, that really is what makes kind of our perspective unique in this conversation, at least. 
Yeah, very, very interesting too. And by the way, you could do a much better job of hosting this than I can, I can tell. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to come right back to you for a second uh, because you, you touched on something. You're creating an ecosystem here and you're considering all aspects of what you're doing with this content and the energy it's creating, the fan energy, the audience commitment to the sport, the values, the belief systems, getting everybody to want to be there, getting everybody to follow you. So there's basically a, there's a mindset behind all this strategy, right? And you're, you're, you know what you're doing and you've got all the tools at your disposal now to do it. Most of the time. Most I mean, right. you know, a lot of times you're testing things and you're adjusting as you go right. and some things work and some things don't. And if you have you, if everything works all the time, then you're probably doing something wrong or not pushing the edges enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And, and some things are going to work in different spaces. We might actually produce something thinking this is going to be a great addition to dirt vision and then go, no, this is a great social bite that we should be putting on social, or this should be on our website, or this should just be on the big screens that track. And so we got to play around with the content and adapt the content to the, the venue that we're putting it in, right? It's not just dirt vision. So yeah, and you, what's interesting before we go to everybody else, I just, the sheer volume, could you repeat the number of events that you, your, your team executes every year? Um, I don't know what we executed in, in, in this year actually, but you know, we've got 143 events scheduled, I think, on the World of Outlaws side. And in addition to that, we're going to be doing all the Super Dirt Car Series races, all the Summer Nationals races. And then we have a bunch of uh, or, or several tracks that we're doing weekly racing from. So it's a lot. It's probably over 300 events in total um, and maybe more than that. And then there's also the iRacing, the esports aspect that we've introduced now as well. So. There, there, there's a lot of content, certainly not at the extent of, you know, some of the other players out there who are really just focusing on, on content, content, content. But That's still quite a content stream and a really great opportunity to learn and experiment and grow, you know, grow your knowledge base and your, exper your intuitive knowledge base of what to do. I think that's what's so exciting about the situation your company is in. And I'd like to go to the other side of the world but in a, in a more broadcast, uh, you know, I guess it is a brand owned business, but MAV TV's become something unto itself now where, where, uh, uh, you know, Charlie and, and, you know, Tommy, I got to say that you got a lot of really interesting content and you've become one of the leading voices of motorsport in our country now. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what the strategy is uh, behind doing this since you are a brand owned business and also, you know, what you look for in the way of content that, that moves the needle on the, on the network? So um, I don't know if Charlie wants to take this or not. Um, oh, but you go first, then I can follow. Okay. So um, obviously, Mav TV, um, the leading motorsports broadcasting network, out and um, really, really the the plan, the, the strategy, is really to expand the audience, the, the reach of all of motorsports. So um, here we are, a. Um, TV network as, as well as a digital um, platform network. And uh, we're just trying to generate more eyeballs. We want more people to see every lap of everything um, motorsports related out in the world. And so uh, worldwide, we're talking not only just the greatest in America, but also we've got racing um, shows and, and events on MAV TV all over the world. So whether it's uh, road racing, dirt track, um, and everything in between, that's the strategy. We're just trying to bring more eyeballs to motorsports. And uh, I think 
from there, it just continues to evolve, continues to grow. Yeah, basically to piggyback off of what Tommy said, you know, obviously we started off with just uh, our, our regular channel, our network, and now we've kind of moved into the streaming world. We've moved into the, uh, the AVOD world. Um, so now there's a lot of different ways to watch MAV TV or MAV TV content besides just on cable or satellite. So, um, yeah, kind of like what Tommy said, you know, we, we just want to bring motorsports to the masses um, and we want to position ourselves to be able to do that. You know, uh, we didn't want to get behind and not be um, able to kind of go with the way the technology is going. So now you can watch MAV TV content on more than just the TV. And um, that's kind of, you know, that's pretty much the direction that the world's going. So we, we feel like we've done a pretty good job putting ourselves in that position. Well, thank you. And, and I think the, uh, the thing is pretty brave to just take a stand and go all motorsports and, and really focus like, like I see you're doing with so much of this content. Uh, uh, does that come from an inner passion within the company? Uh, what, are the, what is the ultimate reason for doing that? Because you're a brand owned business. I mean, obviously, you know, being owned by Lucas Oil definitely, it makes sense. But also, you know, there's a lot of people in this company that we're racers, you know, it's what we do. We understand that that's our audience, you know, yeah. um, and and not just racers, but the grassroots racers, they got the people who they wrench in their vehicles during the week and then they go race in the weekends and then they go back to the real job after that. So um, we know that's our core audience and it just kind of makes sense to us. Plus, we felt like there was a void there. And um, so I think that's that's kind of you know one of the biggest reasons why that's the direction we went in. Yeah, OK, that's great. I mean. Uh, I'm really happy you're doing what you're doing. I want more people watching racing, so keep doing it. <laughs> uh, uh, which brings me to uh, um, the uh, the man that's been uh, pushing motorsports as long as I've known him, uh, uh, Ralph uh, and Chris. I want to ask you a couple questions. You you're building kind of a unique set of platforms here. You've got your your traditional print platforms based on a brand that you know you uh, that that. Uh, you know, has this terrific heritage and legacy from uh, Chris Economaki, who is my hero and my inspiration for a lot of what I do, you know, and a mentor to me and a friend. And I, I think that, you know, what you've done is modernize this uh, brand and platform. And I, I'm really pleased to see you, you've taken that too, and a sprint car and midget as well. But you, you did you have a plan to do all this, Ralph and, and Chris, when you, when you started, were you going to build out all these extensions? Did you see that when you, uh, I think we, we, we moved back into this world, both of us within a month of each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at speed sport, it was all about the brand, this red square right here. Yeah, it's great uh, and square, taking that, taking that red square and turning it into a full blown media company. My partner and I, Joe Tripp, when we got started, uh, and we bought that brand from the Economakis after they gave us the approval to, uh, be the the right folks to uh, shepherd that that logo into the future. Um, we knew right away that it had to be a full-blown media company. Now, we didn't want to get rid of print because that's who and what Speed Sport always was. So we wanted to hang on to print uh, in a form. Newspaper didn't work. Uh, that was kind of old hat at the time. So that's why we shifted to the magazine. But the website uh, fires up and that becomes basically what the paper used to be that you know, news that you were looking for as it was happening as quick as you could get it. Um, so the yep. website, social media, all that takes care of that. The magazine, 
It's a little bit broader, bolder, deeper, uh, more feature oriented. Um, we have TV shows. We've had TV shows. We've had a great partnership with our friends there at Mav TV with our speed sports series airing every Thursday night. Um, one of the most popular, successful grassroots motorsports shows on their network. Uh, it's, it's wide variety of racing. You'll see sprint cars and motorcycles and midgets. And we've got an auction coming early yep. uh, in 2021 uh, that's going to be outstanding that we're bringing to the network. So there's a lot of different things happening there on the grassroots level. We didn't know until recently that live streaming was going to be a thing. I mean, nobody knew when we started. And then all of a sudden, it just took off like a rocket. And we kind of messed around with it a little bit, tried to live stream a race or two on our own and had some success with it. But it wasn't really the niche that we were looking for. The way it was going at the time wasn't what we really wanted to do. We were more comfortable doing traditional TV and doing it with our partners at Math TV. Um, then Chris Grainer comes along and we become good friends with Chris, his company rivet at the time had developed this technology. You take that technology, which he can explain that separates us from all the others that are live streaming out there the way we are. It's different than what say the outlaws are doing. Um, and then you match that with our brand and now all of a sudden you've got the speed sport TV network mm -hmm. and that is cranking right along. And we launched that literally a year ago this month, uh, would have been like next week. Uh, and who knew that what was coming in March? And by the time March came around, all of a sudden there was a huge demand for live streaming. Mm -hmm. And we offered a platform that worked for promoters and sanctioning bodies and racetracks all around the country. Um, we are doing, I think Chris can explain how the affiliates and all that work were somewhere close to 60 some odd affiliates on the network, I think it is. And as we sit here right now, in 2020, from January to now, we've done over 1300 live broadcasts, wow. which is staggering. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, wow. it's, it's amazing. It's really been amazing. And, and you know, Chris, I think you were a change agent in this business. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you saw. I've been banging my head against the wall since 2010 in this streaming world. Um, you know, started out live streaming late models at East Bay Raceway Park and have had involvement um, at a number of levels with a number of series sanctions and, you know, every event type you can think of from demolition derby to truck and tractor pulling, dirt track pavement, uh, drag racing, you name it. I, I've done it. But I think what you're sort of getting at is what's happening and where are we currently at? And I think it's a little bit of a coincidence that we've added this catalyst of the COVID scenario with what was already coming together behind the scenes. And that's that there's, uh, when you're starting to think at a very high level of technology, we start, we're starting to have this democratization and this um, disruption in our industry. And I don't mean those in bad ways. The, the cost of resources, the accessibility, Things like our platform um, make these things substantially easier to bring a very high, you know, almost TV level um, production quality in a very short amount of time. And some of the, the, the most difficult things early on, which were access to internet um, and, 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 and definitely having reliable 
uh, distribution to the end viewer, those problems are fairly solved now. So that now lets us, uh, you know, to touch upon what everybody else has, Charlie and Christina have, have touched upon is we can now take some of our time and spend it more on getting to, to the eyeballs and finding other ways to find a broader reach and, and reutilizing what we're doing at the facility instead of just being purely focused on live streaming, we can now have some other, um, other important assets coming out of that being forms of marketing, forms of entertainment, all of these additional things uh, that are now available. And it's, it's really just happening about right now. And so you're going to continue seeing this process of, again, democratization and, and disruption in the industry as everybody's firing their content everywhere uh, for multiple uses. And it, it's an interesting time. And it's a time of opportunity um, for, for our industry to really embrace what's happening and start to, to push the limits to see where we really can go. And we need this, uh, yeah, especially we, at the grassroots do. level. We do. And you've said it very well. And, and uh, this is fascinating stuff, everyone. I'm really enjoying it because what I think, you know, we had is a crest of a, an unexpected wave this year. You know, we saw a massive surge in audience digitally that we didn't expect. We were anticipating a massive downturn. And uh, first off, I didn't realize people wanted to watch uh, iRacing as much as they do. We, we, it was really successful on our platform when we were covering it, and uh, and all forms of the the digital company, you know, the esports that we 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 created an esports channel for a period of time. It's still there, but it was very visible when the athletes were playing. And I just realized, okay, that's different. Audience trended younger. We saw a massive shift in age composition of the audience, but we also saw a huge growth in audience during this time. You know, we went from you know, laying in the mid 400,000 unique visitor a month range to popping over 800,000 and regularly being in the mid 700,000 range on, on unique visitors. And I wondered where the hell were all you people before? <laughs> and I think they now have time uh, on a monthly basis to go be with this content. And they're pulling on the string rather than us pushing things out to them. They're choosing what they want. And you're all doing things to deliver that. Now, mentioning all this to bring it back to the, the a simple set of question for you. You know, we learned a lot during this time. What did you learn? What's the most important lesson all of you have learned uh, during the past, uh, uh, you know, 11 months during COVID? We went from being in a normal racing environment to bang, we're in this. What have you learned? Good and bad. Please share, starting with you, Christina. That's a, a tough question. Um... And it's not that we didn't learn because we sure learned a lot. Um, I'd say for one thing, I, I hate to put things in a, in a negative light at all, but our industry is not incredibly receptive to change at times or stuck in our way at times. Mm -hmm. And this forced, this forced change, like it forced it. So there were a lot of things that were sort of stuck because because we had just done it one way for so long and we knew we had to change it, but that, that change was, was slow. And this was just a slap in the face and a kick in the butt and change and change now. And, and we did it. So for, for starters, we learned that we could do it and that the partnerships we had created, like the partnership we have with iRacing was critical to our success during that time initially. 
Um, So the importance of some of those partnerships and to form those partnerships and be positioned and ready to go when the time comes, even not knowing what's going to happen, right? And then um, I think that one of the things that we probably all learned was the importance of sort of, of, I don't want to say lobbying, right? But, But the importance of having people and teams and coalitions at the ready to go in and speak for the motorsports industry. Yes. Um, And, you know, we worked with some that already exist. We created others that didn't exist. We would not have been able to return to racing if it hadn't been for, for those people, for those partnerships and for those efforts that were made to work with the local and and the the local officials and and with the CDC and with you know just everything we did to put the plan in in, in place to return to racing um without that we wouldn't have had the broadcast and the broadcasts are what kept that up because we had such limited audience i mean you you know all this i don't need to speak to that but yeah, but you you said it so well christina i mean uh, it, you just wrote the white paper on this year i think uh and that's that's really and one of the things you're touching on here is uh, racers are resistant to change, but when they see something that's winning or working, they do adapt pretty quickly. They have to. And chase being fo- change being forced upon us, I consider to be a blessing. Uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, I learned more from my, my failures when I raced than I did from my successes, which were few, but they were there. And I, sure. and I think we all get comfortable. Being uncomfortable, especially uh, when you're going as fast and hard as you can, is a good thing. You need to you need to be open to what's changing around you. Um, and I think it's a great segue to, to MAV TV because you're in a kind of, you're in the both worlds, uh, you know, Jolly and, and Tommy. Tell me a little bit about what that was like inside your world, you know, Battle Station MAV TV. <laughs> well, it was really tricky because, um, you know, obviously we, we have a good mix of, of live programming as well as um, our, you know, archives in our library. So, when it came to the stuff in our library, that was fine. You know, we, we could always fall back on that. But when it came to the live events, it was really tricky because we didn't know if or when it, it would even resume. So it was just a lot of kind of what everybody touched on already, just having to adapt. You didn't have a choice. You had to um, make plans for, for the moment, but also be prepared to change those plans. And And I could only imagine, you know, all the people that had to do all the crewing and all the, you know, all, booking all the flights and all the crews and just, it, it, it had to be a train wreck, but, um, you know, it's just one of those, you, you didn't really have time to really uh, be like, oh, well, it was me. You just kind of had to suck it up and just deal with it. And, but that's, that was everybody in racing, you know, and it just kind of shows also how kind of fragile everything could be, how, how yes. everything was really dependent on the next thing. And so when one, when, you know, you pull one, one, you know, domino out and everything just falls apart. So, um, but we, we did, you know, we did the best we could and, and everybody kind of has, and everybody was able to get the season in, in every respective series, which was fantastic. And, but it had, you know, a lot of compromising and working together to make something out of nothing. So, um, but it, it could have been a lot worse for us. We, we were very fortunate, I would say. Yes, indeed. Do you have anything to add to that, Tommy? Well, I was going to say, um, as much as everybody in motorsports in general are resistant to change, as much as as much as we're resistant, we can adapt and overcome a lot of motorsports too. And so we got to see literally the entire 
full circle of everything when it came to that um, because between promoters, track operators, series, and all the way down to Mav TV and the side that where we had to, you know, we have a schedule. Everybody's got a schedule, and our and our on air schedule had to change on the fly, almost uh, sometimes hourly, uh, sometimes daily. We would get a new surprise where things would happen, and and um, you know, deadlines, you know, sometimes were met or not. But but we we kind of had to go with it. We had to roll with with these ever evolving changes, and um, unlike a lot of other um, brands or, or companies or whatnot, when, you know, COVID really hit the, the real big, um, hit that practically shut the whole country down. TV doesn't sleep. So we had to keep going and we had to find ways to, to constantly bring content on air. Um, maybe try to change our programming a little bit because we, we could always just hit a button and re-air, 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 but that gets old. Right. So we would yeah. adjust our scheduling to maybe mix it up, spice it up a little bit because we know everybody's stuck at home and what's there to do, but the thumb through your phone and to watch TV. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting, but it was really the intriguing part. I feel like was to see everybody adapt and overcome. I mean, the racers themselves, big kudos to the, to them because they had nothing, you know, when March hit, the, that was it. The cars were parked. The truck they're locked in the garage. There's nothing, and uh, you know, with the great work by the promoters and the racetracks and the uh, racing series, and really all the sponsors that you know go with everything of uh, motorsports. I think everybody really teamed up um, and kind of changed the direction, but made it work. Yeah, and you you both summed this up here is that uh, this ability to adapt and learn quickly. That's what racers do. You know, you're you, you, uh, you're, the real challenge is to learn faster and better than your competition and get to the future first. I've said that several times during these panels. And, and one of the reasons I'm so excited about this is uh, this, what you're doing is getting the whole sport to the future first, direct connection with the end user consumer, uh, where you have a relationship with the audience by what you're doing. And there's not a lot of middle, uh, middle men or middle women in this. They're, you're, you're literally able to touch your con- consumer digitally. And, and I think that this is what's so exciting to me. This is what's been missing. Uh, and the fact that we've all been forced into it is, is interesting. And Ralph, I, I want to just go back, you know, we've known each other for a long time and, and uh, you know, I, uh, I've just always appreciated your passion. I, I think we, we love a lot of the same things. I grew up around midget sprint car racing. So I still feel it when I'm around it. It's uh you know, it fires me up and uh, I love motocross and supercross because that, that's my escape from all the four-wheeled madness I have to put up with. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, one of the things I noticed is that racers, they generally love racing. They, I, I'm a fan of many types of racing. And I, I, when, I'm, when I'm at home, you know, I'm, and I, don't, I can't go to races, what do I do? <laughs> I want to find races. And now I've realized there's a lot more out there than I thought there was. And you've been onto this for some time. And you know, when you, you shared what was an original vision for some of the things you wanted to do, what did you see? You know, I know that Chris has helped you get there, but what did you see that made you want to go do this? The live streaming part of it is what you're talking about, correct? Yeah, yeah. Basically, where you've ended up. and Yeah, launching the uh, Speed Sport TV network. Um, you know, we knew that there would be a need out there 
for a Netflix of motorsports, if you will, live streamed out there that uh, people could access and get to and get after. Something uh, Joe Tripp and I have talked about endlessly ever since we bought the brand, but we didn't have the technical know-how to get to where we wanted to be to be able to present that content out there the way we envisioned it. And that's where Chris came in in spectacular fashion. Um, the idea, the technology that he had took everything that we were thinking and that he was thinking and it just all melded together perfectly at the right time. Um, and then I think what, what changed it a little bit, it's not just technology and a brand, you gotta have a vision as to how you're gonna present that. Um, and so we really see ourselves as, you know, racers broadcasting racing for racers. Yeah, uh, and when I, I like say that, that, I mean, race fans is all part I of like that. that. You know, if, if you're in this thing, you're a racer, okay? It's just, mm -hmm. it's a loose term we all use, but everybody in this panel is one. If you're this committed and, and dedicated to putting in the hours and the effort to do what we're doing in, within the racing industry, you're a racer. Maybe you're not the one winning the trophy, but you're helping your team get to the finish line in your own individual way. So we are definitely racers, broadcasting racing for racers. And I think that um, helps separate us a little bit uh, from some of the others, again, not on this panel, but others that are doing kind of what we're doing in a similar fashion. Um, we're really part of this industry. We're not outsiders just coming in because racing is a hot thing. No, we're in. We're all in. We've been in all our lives. We're not going anywhere if racing takes a dip. We're just going to be trying to figure out how to bring it back up. There's other groups that might be coming in and going, we're here because it's good now, and we're gone when it's not. When we've we got all the milk out of the cow, we're on to the next one. Nope, we're here. This is our cow. We like our cow. We love <laughs> our cow, and we want to see our cow just stay healthy and get healthier. So that's what Speed Sport is all about in the Speed Sport TV network. And to be honest, that's why we have relationships with these other people on this panel, including you, Paul, because yeah. we're all the same. We are. And we're yeah. all I mean, that we talk about this to. always. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's what we're all committed to. So yeah. uh, we had that vision. We knew what we wanted to do. We thought there was a niche for that within the market. That's different than what the outlaws are doing, different than what MAV TV is doing. We can find our own niche. And you and I, Paul, talked about this a million times. There is enough in this business for everybody. There's enough for Racer and Speed Sport and Map TV and the Outlaws. And there, there's plenty of business out there for everybody. And we all have to support each other and work together and help each other raise the sport up. And then we all work within our niches. And if it works out fine for everybody. But our niche wouldn't have been available to actually flip the switch and make it go if it wasn't for Chris and what he had. Yeah, Chris, and I want, and I've got, I'm going to come back to some of the things you said, but Chris, I want you to weigh in a little bit because you touched on it the last time you spoke here about what, what's happening, you know, in terms of the way the world's changing and the, that this is a moment, a pivotal moment in change. And, yeah, and I, I, want to, I wanted to revisit your question, which is what did you learn? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I'd love that. And I'm going to be pretty, pretty generic in this and that, you know, there's the saying, you know, it's better to be lucky than good. Sometimes I'm going to say that it's it was counter to that. In this case, it was better to be good than lucky because we did have some losers yeah. as well as winners. 
And yeah. so for those of us that did well, we were prepared for the moment and ready for the moment. And we had some flexibility built in. Everybody has sort of touched on that, that there was flexibility and we were able to, to build the right, um, you know, the groups and work with the people and the resources that we had so that, that we could actually execute. For me personally, there was a, a, an enormous amount of stress because much of the financial burden shifted to the execution of the broadcasts. Many of the many of the broadcasts we had became the primary revenue generation engine for the event. And if it didn't function, the event purse wouldn't be paid. And that's a different sort of scenario. So back to the, you know, better to be good than lucky. The thing that I took from this is that, you know, maybe uh, as a people can be critical of us as being behind in the motorsports industry, but we're, as everybody has spoken here, we still are, we still can adapt and we, we are hardworking folks and we're able to execute and, and when and need to be up, if we need to be up to the task, we can be. And that's really what I took away from it yeah. um, is that we were, we were able to actually execute and keep a number of facilities running series running. I mean, Christina has it. I mean, if they're not broadcasting this year and they're not able to execute, there's no world of outlaws. It just doesn't happen. It just wouldn't work. We have a number of series uh, that that work within our platform. Same, same case, no broadcasting. They would have just said, well, we can't do it. There's just no, re the revenue doesn't come in. So that's where, um, just to answer that question, and I don't know if I want to segue back to you if you had a Please do, because that, you answered that question, question really well, and that's a very big point you just made. But go back to the, the other one. Because I think what you, what you have here is there's a pivotal moment that we just, we just, I think we just crossed a threshold in this year where it's acceleration from this point onward. I'm seeing it in our numbers. I mean, I, I literally look at our metrics every day and it's like, Holy crap, <laughs> you know, that something that the switch tripped and everything just, it keeps coming now. People know it's there. I know, I, and I also think what you've done and you summed it up, Ralph, it's the voice of racing that's speaking through these enabling technologies now. It's not filtered through the wide world of sports. You're up there with the Greyhound dog racing. You, <laughs> the pure cultural voice of racing that's coming through, which is fantastic. So we've got an acceleration point. What do we do with that now? You know, you're changing the economic model, Chris, by some of the things you're doing here. You're changing the perceptive model and, you know, the cultural campfire that each of these series represents or these brands represent is powerful. It's a pull world. You're pulling on what you want. You know, I'm thinking that the the economic elements that are coming into play, purely the revenue and money now that is coming available, is going to allow for us to bring in more resources at yeah. a very basic level, whether that's human resources, technical resources. We're now going to start opening up to, uh, to, to, to making those opportunities, to be able to turn on those opportunities and allow to, you know, talk, we talked about an ecosystem early on. And what, that's what we think of our platform as, is an ecosystem for media professionals to get involved, to play a role and execute and find a way. We're, we're very much an ongoing experiment in what we do. In many cases, we're a, the first place where people come to, to start to get their feet wet and understand how to operate in the industry. And we're constantly, while they, the live stream is very important, something that, that Christina had said very early on, we 
immediately start pushing those people to just think of the live stream as an as an element that opens up your world to doing more promotion, marketing, social media engagement. We push in that direction as much as possible. And that's really part of that experiment and part of that ecosystem is you can start people down that process. And then the hope I would have, and hopefully this is that turning point, is that we can embrace that and we keep people who are the Tommy Masons, the Chalis, the younger guys in our, our industry around, right? I don't want them to go somewhere else. I don't want them to, to, to go and get a job at Fox Sports doing football. I want them to stay here and racing. And so we need the, the resources to be competitive. And I hope that that's the turning point that we have. Well, that's really a great summary. I mean, wow. I love this panel. I don't even know what football is, to be honest. <laughs> I don't either. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is uh, it, I always thought the football was a little rubber thing you put inside the intake stack right. to keep it clean. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, we, you touched on something, Ralph, I want to come back to, which is particularly important. Uh, you know, the, when I, I shared with Chris that I was going to launch Racer, and I'd known Chris for some time. He'd been to my office, told me what not to buy and what to buy and what who to trust and who really a great mentor. And he said, fantastic. There's room in this sport for both of us. The sport needs both of us. The more, more of us are pulling on this and carrying it forward, the better. And he meant it. So he sent me his subscriber list for me to mail to, to try to get subscriptions. Think about that. That's huge. That's Think huge. So, you know, the, the thing that I, I was struck by, it did never left my, it's, it's in my heart forever. Uh, he, he wanted my subscriber list. He had faith we'd make it. And we gave him our subscriber list because we got to be fairly big, fairly quickly. And uh, I, I think that, you know, in the, the photographs of the launch of Racer in the front holding the grass and raising and giving the first toast to the success of the magazine is Chris Economy. So we all have a vested interest in the success of each other. Uh, I'm cheering for everybody I see here. You know, I want you to kick ass. <laughs> uh, and, and this year, you know, the, this is a segue, believe it or not. I'm not just an old white guy ranting. Uh, I. I, I think that there's a moment here, and I've used the phrase "restart of our lives." You know, this is for all the marbles. We racing didn't decline like other sports and ratings. We held our audience and grew in social. We grew. We grew in areas we could, and we held a lot of our ratings in a lot of places and meaningful places. And the energy I see pent up in the race fan base—they're more committed than casual sports fans are. Their heroes risk, you know, risk their lives doing what they do. You can't not be committed. So, you know, word of advice to everybody in the industry. We've got maybe eight minutes to 10 minutes before we hand off. I'm going to start with you, Christina. You know, what's your word of advice to the people in this industry? You know, you've got a powerful new tool you've all created here. How do we win the restart of our lives going into 2021? So in certain conditions, we don't know if we're going to be ready to be fully back to normal until maybe later in the year. But what, what do you think the mindset needs to be? I mean, I think we already touched upon it, right? Adapt, like ad adapt, yep. <laughs> change, try new things. Um, don't get stuck on any one thing, but, but keep trying it long enough to make sure you're giving it a fair chance. Um, start small if you have to. Find the right partners. Um, you know, like Ralph said and Chris said, they probably meant the survival for a lot of tracks or at least for tracks and promoters to be able to race, right? Without thank God that was there. You know, thank God. <laughs> right. Um, 
Don't try and recreate the wheel. It's been created for you. So find the partners that, that can help or, or talk to people about how they created their wheel and, and see if you can build off of that rather than starting from scratch. You are truly wise beyond your age. Uh, that is great advice. Um, I hope everybody takes it to heart. Um, thank you. And I go to you, Charlie and, and Tommy, you know, restarting well, I mean, their I'm, lives. Let's I'm gonna go. be kind of echoing what Christina said. And it's, it's a lot of it is just don't be afraid of change. You know, when you look at the world five years ago, streaming wasn't, it existed, but it wasn't as big as it is now. So if five years ago, you were so committed to just TV, that you paid no attention to streaming, five years later, you're three laps down. You know, you don't want to be blockbuster when Netflix came out. Hmm. You wanna, you wanna, you know, if you can't be ahead of the game, at least be able to go with it when the changes happen. Right. So because you know, we don't know what's gonna happen five years from now. What we have five years from now could be completely different from what we have today. So you just have to be ready for change and be able to put yourself in a position to adapt to those changes if and when they happen. Great advice. And uh, Tommy? I was just going to say, not only adapting is key, but also support, right? I mean, it really comes down to the support of everybody involved with every brand, right? You know, racing or um, anything involved with your favorites, right? Because you've kind of seen a thing where people assume it's going to always be there. Well, I think, you know, the sink or swim moment we've had this year and hopefully um, that trickles away and we forget about it um, but the, people kind of got complacent people got it comfortable and uh, maybe figured that oh you know that'll always be there and uh, some things aren't and I think you need to support I think that's going to be my advice for everybody going forward is if the opportunity is there and you have you know any interest go for it and if it's uh, something that you really appreciate or enjoy, support it. Great advice. And uh, uh, by the way, I would like everyone to support ePartradeRacer.com while you're doing that. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to you, Chris, and I'm going to say the last word for you, Ralph. Okay. Chris, advice and restart of our lifetime. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to kind of build off of what Charlie said, which is, you know, where we were five years ago and where we are now, and then start to think about uh, really where motorsports came from and, and what it was even in the, you know, think of the early 1900s, uh, you know, we were more of a, a circus type event. They used to race in the Rose Bowl, you know, they used to have, be these, these amazing things. And I think that this is, this is going to play a little bit off of my current influences. I think we're getting to the point where we need to take some moonshots, right? Mm -hmm. We need to go big. We need to make some, some changes that really shake up what we do. Still do the fundamentals, but we're, we're, we're getting to that time where we're going to, we have to make some of these choices. We have to do some things that are fully going to engage when we're, I think in the, in the mindset of we're competing with gaming. And I know we have iRacing out there in the esports, and that's good, but you see how quick that market has moved. What can we do to move quick like that? And so I, I, I would like to say to, you know, embrace the youth and start to take some of those moonshots again. Don't necessarily be too complacent and too, too happy with the everyday. Let's do some big things because we're having some of those opportunities show up now.
well as the I'm the son of the fellow who uh, trained everyone on the simulator for the Apollo command module. So I'm uh, uh, I am very excited at the thought of us all doing a moonshot. I think that's what we have the opportunity to do. And you summed it up beautifully, Chris. There's a big moment here where we can we can go beyond anything we imagined if we think big and learn faster than everybody else. And Ralph, I've watched you learn so much so fast all the years I've known you. Why don't you bring it home? You know, I'm not surprised at all that racing was uh, the thing when it came to professional sports. They got back active and did uh, a sporting event live after the pandemic hit first. It's not shocking at all. Racers are always pushing the limits and setting new marks and advancing their game down the road. Um, one thing we haven't talked about a little bit is how much other sports have learned from racing. Uh, all the stick and ball sports that are out there have been in contact with all the major motorsports organizations to find out what we've been doing and how we did it and how we got going and how we've been able to stay active. So again, racers setting the tone, setting the pace, if you will, to bring the sports world back active. When it comes to restarting our life, look, that racers restart all the time, right? It might be after a first lap caution. It might be after a three-hour rain delay. But we restart all the time. So we're used to, okay, I was doing this. Now we've been down. Now I'm going to make an adjustment, twist the stagger a little bit, do this yeah. a little bit, do that, and get back at it. So racers restarting, no problem here. It's just how far do we go, how fast do we get there, and how big do we really want to be? And Chris – did a great job of summing that up. It's a, it's the right time to go for a moonshot, go for a record at Bonneville, set a quick lap at Indy, whatever your thing is, now is the time to really let it rip. And that's what racers do better than anybody. They and we've do. got a tremendous industry that supports each other, that if we all get behind each other, this industry will be just ripping five years from now. Wow. Okay. You should do this for a living, Ralph. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that is a great way to end this panel. But my God, I've got to tell you, I really enjoyed this. And uh, I'm fired up. I want to go to the moon. Uh, uh, so thank you all. Uh, Christina, thank you. It's great to meet you uh, via this. And Tommy and Ch Charlie, finally, uh, we get to see each other. Uh, I'd like to carry the conversation forward with you a little later, too. So, Chris, thank you for joining us. Uh, great observations. And thank you for... Uh, uh, bringing life to this vision and, and and you know i'm a big fan of what ralph and joe are doing and uh mature leaders so great stuff you guys and registering on epar trade is easy fill out your name email phone number and create a secure password next select your business type choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose claim company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose join company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval.
you'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.